0: Listen, those are the drums of liberty, and those drums are going silent because the United States is descending into tyranny. Let's talk about it on this Liberty Minute. Welcome to the Theory to Action podcast where we examine the timeless treasures of wisdom from the great books in less time to help you take action immediately and ultimately to create and lead a flourishing life. Now, here's your host, David Kaiser. Hello, I am David and welcome back to this Liberty Minute. Indeed, those drums of liberty are going silent and we are entering the age of tyranny As the Great One said, Mark Levin, so eloquently shared with us over a decade ago, when he wrote the book Liberty and Tyranny, he told us that we had a choice of liberty or tyranny, that we could choose either path. Well, we covered that great book in our third Liberty Minute, The Antidote to Tyranny. So I will include a link to the show notes so you can check that out. But now our country has just careened over the edge of the cliff into the land of tyranny. Our post-COVID American world looks nothing like the country I grew up in. The country of the 1980s, much less even the 1990s. I grew up with Reagan in the White House in an economy that was going gangbusters. I also grew up with Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich getting together to sign welfare reform and put millions of folks back to work so they could have the dignity of a good paying job and not a handout from government. After the attacks of 9-11, George Bush simply gave us mediocre leadership, especially when he said in 2008 or rather 2007 and 2008, we have to suspend the laws of capitalism to save Capitalism. That was someone who was just mixed up. That was bizarre. And then we got the radicalism of Barack Obama for eight years, and that certainly didn't help the country. Obama cemented the fundamental change in our country that the community activist was hoping for. Turn America into a country that was very, very sympathetic to Obama's own Marxist roots. And then Donald Trump came along, and I was certainly no fan. I didn't vote for him in 2016, but his policies in 2018 and 2019 were actually quite refreshing. He was able to get the economy going again, following, ironically, supply-side economic theory, which we have documented on this channel is by far, by far, the best way to grow an economy in which business schools all around the country still can't to this day understand, nor can they teach effectively. They say, Go back to studying your toothpaste marketing commercials from the 1970s, kid. So says the vaunted Harvard Business School professor. Just absolutely hilarious. But looking at all this for the last seven years and looking at it objectively, I can firmly say that the country's ruling class, both Democrats and Republicans, have lost their collective minds. Republicans have been campaigning for 25 years on solving issues, yet they all get to Washington or a great majority of them get to Washington and they enjoy the cocktail parties too much. They want to be liked, so they roll over and play dead. Thank you. From for every milk toast Republican who has ever served in the last 25 years. And you can start with my own Ohio's Senator Rob Portman. You can't be more vanilla than that guy. He has no standards. And frankly, there's about 35 others just like him. They are part of the reason this country is suffering from a severe lack of leadership because they have no backbone. But we've already talked about that and the huge problem that the GOP lacks in spine and in fortitude. You can check out Liberty Minute number 22 there, where we covered Do What You Said You Would Do, the book by the great Jim Jordan. By all counts, only he and members of the Freedom Caucus in the House can actually ever do what they say they would actually do. Now, the Democrats, they've just gone Radical beyond anyone's measure. I mean, crazy radical from Russia collusion theory, by the way, I, I bought into that crazy theory for the first two years until I started checking and doing my own research outside the mainstream media. And then I came to find out that they were lying to me and to the rest of the country. So I'm embarrassed by that. Totally, totally embarrassed. But, oh, let's ask the relevant question, then. What else have they lied about? Well, let's see. Remember when? Remember when they totally made up rape accusations against the Supreme Court nominee? And when asked to produce these accusations, the person who claimed they couldn't figure out when it actually happened, but yet then it was within a 10-year window, she said. But we had to believe her. Remember when they said the southern border became an open sea for human traffickers and drug cartels, and then they flipped with the next administration and said that they never really cared and denied it was ever even happening, even though it's still going on today? Remember when they lied about Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, and his laptop from hell? And oh, right, That's right. Right before the 2020 election, they marched out 50 former intelligence officials who claimed that with 99% certainty, this laptop was the work of Russia collusion and espionage. And yet they knew all along that it was true, that it was his laptop. And most likely he had been compromised by our largest enemy, the Chinese Communist Party. Remember when there was those mostly peaceful riots in 2020 for over 120 straight days of riots. There was even a clear attack on a federal courthouse in Portland for days upon days and nothing ever happened. Remember when they said it was only going to be 15 days to flatten the curve and then it was going to be 30 days to slow the spread. And they, they were having a virtual orgasm on live television because the New York governor at the time was handling the president and this pandemic like a true leader should. Yet we find out six months later that most likely the governor's policies that he put in place, those very health care policies, killed many, many elderly in his own state by forcing nursing homes to accept those COVID patients back into those very homes. And then remember when... The Michigan governor did the very same exact thing, forcing the elderly with COVID back into nursing homes where they wouldn't affect the whole nursing home. Remember when they told us about that? Yeah, neither do we because they don't, they lie. Remember when they said, don't say gay and gay wasn't even in the legislation. Remember when they said, wear a mask, wait, don't wear a mask. Wait, yet, wait, wear a mask. Yes. Because it will protect you. No, no, don't wear a mask. Well, wear the mask, but it's not to protect you because it won't protect you, but it's going to protect others. Remember when they were almost willing to speak when people were willing to speak truth on social media? But if they did, they would be banned because they didn't parent parrot the government's lies lie upon lie upon lie, or if they didn't repeat it word for word, they would be banned. Remember when they said COVID, the COVID virus came from bats in an open air market and that they, those same bats, however, would have to travel 900 miles away to get to that region because that's where they were from. Yet there was multiple level four biological labs within five miles of of the first known case in Wuhan, China. Yeah, that one was hard to swallow. Remember when they said hydroxychloroquine that had been FDA approved and ivermectin, which won the Nobel prize in 2015 and they called them horse paste and no doctor or pharmacist could prescribe them. And there was no alternate protocol for over six months. Remember when, They said we needed to protect Ukraine's sovereign borders and airspace, yet the whole time our border and airspace was violated probably 10,000 times a day. Remember when they funded, promoted, and protected manufacturers of that toxic experimental treatment? That doesn't work, but then they also demanded that you risk taking it into your own body to get it to work? Remember when that president of the United States demanded to the point of you losing your job and some still did to this day, that you take that said toxic experimental treatment that doesn't work only to have the Supreme court say that the president was bonkers and you can't impose that on the American people. Remember when our vaunted military leadership still insisted to keep imposing that stupid, toxic, experimental treatment on all its military members, no matter what the Supreme court said or where the science and data was leading. Remember when they nominated a woman for the Supreme court and that same woman could not answer what a woman was. And from, and finally do you remember when the dude that finished like 462nd place in the swimming meet against other dudes suddenly decided He was a she and swam against the ladies and won two national championships, two freaking national championships. Yes. And everybody thought that was cool and it was okay and all right. And everything is fine in America, folks. They said everything is fine. Everything is fine. Just keep moving along here. There is nothing to see, nothing to see at all. Just keep it moving. Holy smokes. Now I have to give a shout out to Aaron McIntyre, who is the producer of the Steve day show for putting that whole list together, which is his list is, is much greater than mine. I had about 10 of those, uh, but he helped me with probably another, another 10 or whatever I rattled off there. But his list is, is much, much longer than mine, but you throw on top of all this. The Democrats, two failed impeachments by radical speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, two failed impeachments. Evidently, she didn't learn from the first one. But our country is just unrecognizable anymore. It's descending into chaos and into tyranny. And that brings us to what just happened in the last 48 hours. Let's go to the Wall Street Journal to get the facts. The news late Thursday that a Manhattan grand jury has indicted former President Donald Trump is a sad day for the country with political ramifications that are unpredictable and probably destructive. If there was ever a case that opens Pandora's box, the first indictment of a former president in the United States history is it. The indictment itself remains under seal, so we can't examine the specific charges and evidence. But we know that the charges relate to hush money money payments in 2016 to adult film actress Stormy Daniels about her alleged affair with Mr. Trump. Perhaps Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has new evidence that will be compelling. Yes, perhaps District Attorney Bragg will have new evidence that will be compelling yet. We're not holding our breath. The last seven years compels us to not trust any George Soros funded prosecutors or any major media report. So we will trust and verify just like we did with this wall street journal editorial, who is no fan. The paper is no fan of Donald Trump, by the way, we have already documented how corrupt our justice system is in more ways than one. Please check out Liberty Minute 17 for that background. Let's go back to the Wall Street Journal editorial. As these columns have made clear, we believe any prosecution of a former president should involve a serious offense. The evidence should also be solid enough that a reasonable voter would find it persuasive. The last thing a politically polarized America needs is a case in which partisans line up on either side like a political O.J. Simpson trial. The prosecution must be seen by most of the country as an example of fair-minded justice. That is doubly so when the case involves a former president who is also running again for the same office as Mr. Trump now is. Add that the prosecutor belongs to the same Democratic Party as the current president whom Mr. Trump is running against and the suspicion of a political prosecution will be rampant. That is why we urge Mr. Bragg not to revive a seven-year-old case that federal prosecutors declined to act on. Exactly right, and that's an important point. Federal prosecutors passed on this case when they reviewed it and all its details. The key takeaway is the prosecution must be seen by most of the country as an example of fair-minded justice. And furthermore, that it's doubly so when the case involves a former president, no matter what party, and especially this former president, who's running for the same office now as Mr. Trump is. This is beyond election interference. And this is what happens in third world banana republics. But welcome to America at the first quarter poll in the 21st century. America sponsored by the radical, radical Democrat Party. Not the party of John F. Kennedy. Not the party of Daniel Patrick Moynihan. Not the party of Scoop Jackson. Not even the party of Tip O'Neill. This is the party of radical, progressive, Antifa-supporting Democratic Party. When the then Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, on primetime television ripped up a State of the Union speech by a sitting president of the United States, she told you who she was and the character she has. She disrespected the Constitution. She disrespected the office of president. She disrespected the whole country. So let's put all of this into perspective. And one of the most respected books about the events and temper of the country leading up to the U.S. Civil War, The Impending Crisis, America Before the Civil War, is a book written by David Potter, a prominent American historian. In fact, the book was published in 1976 and won the Pulitzer Prize for history the following year, when that actually meant something, and it wasn't pure favoritism like it is now. But here's what David Potter wrote in that book. For 10 years, the union had witnessed a constant succession of crisis. Always these ended in some kind of quote victory for the South, each of which left the union. I'm sorry, which left the South with an empty prize and left the union in a weaker condition than before. In 1850, the South had paid a dear price for the Fugitive Slave Act. In 1853, it squandered some of its influence to procure the Austin Manifesto. In 1854, it sacrificed the bisectional ascendancy of the Democratic Party for the sake of Kansas, Nebraska. In 1857, it prepared to pay whatever the cost might be for upholding the Dred Scott decision. In 1858, it sacrificed what was left of the Northern democracy in a vain attempt to force the adoption of the Lecompton Constitution. Such were the trophies of victory. Not one of them added anything to the area, the strength, the influence, or even the security of the Southern system. Yet each had cost the South a high price, both in alienating the public opinion Of the nation and in weakening that one great bulwark of bisectionalism, the Democratic Party, which alone stood between the South and sexual sectional domination by the Republicans, each of which left the South with an empty prize and left the Union in a weaker condition than before. How true that all those events were just. Empty prizes, empty prizes, and the same is happening to our country today. These democratic victories that Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden run around talking about all the time, they're just empty prizes, and no one is looking to the good of the whole country. When will members of the Democratic Party stand up and say enough is enough? Did any Democrat admonish the then Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, for ripping up the State of the Union address? Did any Democrat forcefully come out against the 120 days of riots in 2020 and say this is not the way to handle these issues? Did any Democrat come out and tell the party this radicalism has to stop for any and all of these empty prizes, two failed impeachments? An utter failure in the kangaroo congressional J6 committee that nobody respected. Over 80% of the American public knew it was a kangaroo court. Zero, nada. Nobody respected it. Well, we are waiting and watching. The adults in the country were waiting and watching. The real Americans doing the hard work out in the country, not in Washington, D.C., are waiting and watching and they see. They see the corruption that's happening in Washington, D.C. And we will be waiting and watching. Waiting and watching. And here's a final word that needs to be said. Let's go back to the Wall Street Journal editorial. Because, frankly, they nailed it. The danger for America is the precedent this prosecution sets. Mr. Bragg is busting a political norm that has stood for some 230 years. Once a former president and current candidate is indicted, some local Republican prosecutor will look to make a name for himself by doing the same to a Democrat. U.S. democracy will be further abused and battered. Mr. Bragg, the provincial progressive, is unleashing forces that all of us may come to regret. Unleashing forces that all of us may come to regret. And so in this Liberty Minute, as we enter Holy Week tomorrow, let us pray for our country. Let us pray as we never have before. As President Lincoln, one of our greatest presidents ever, admonished us in his first inaugural address in March of 1861 when he said the mystic chords of memory stretching from every battlefield and patriot grave to every living heart and hearthstone all over this land will yet swell the chorus of the union when again touched as surely they will be by the better, better angels of our nature. May God Please bring forth those better angels of our nature. We certainly need it at this time. God help us. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this Theory to Action podcast be sure to check out our show page at teammojoacademy.com where we have everything we discussed in this podcast as well as other great resources. Until next time, keep getting your mojo on.